more. Welcome to the Dream Big Podcast. So glad you're with us. And it's so much fun. The favorite part about doing a podcast is bringing on just good people and good friends. Uh, and you've got a friend, Craig Kershaw, from some of you know of him. I bet most of you do. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Bob, hey, it's great to be back with you. I miss you. How, how's uh, Sweet Maria doing? Oh, she is actually, she has her hands full with me. That's for sure. We know that's her, true. Her, stole, her whole world revolves around people that she married. That would be me. People that we <laughs> made. That would be Lindsay Richard and Adam. People they married uh, and the people they made. So I am the pastor of a church of 11. How many are in your church? <laughs> I, I have uh, I have uh, 14 in my church now. If we're talking about people I married, yes. people, Isn't I that made, fun? people they married, and people they made. Yes, sir. Isn't that fun? So it's a good little roll call. So when somebody asks me, like, how you doing? I really do the roll call. I'm like, because if if mine 11 people are okay, I'm okay. How about you? That's a good thing. We we are we are very blessed that our little uh, little tribe is doing well right now. And you think of the uh, people that are listening, you might be out for a run. Faith might be a big deal for you. It might not be a big deal for you. But whatever it is, I want you to know that you are part of a community of people uh, right now as you're listening to this uh, where faith matters to us. And uh, what I hope you'll find over the next little bit is something for you. So uh, whether you're a writer and you note taker, but listen to something and see what God might have for you today. Craig, uh, we've been friends for quite a few years, and I remember walking into uh, one of your offices, and uh, I had this mint uh, that you had there, and I ate this mint, and I was like, mostly because I just didn't want to bowl somebody over with my breath, and it was so good. <laughs> the week after I get back, I get a box. Uh, it feels like the size of a laundry-like machine, and uh, and it's got like... 5,000 of these mints in it. And I, it was just such a beautiful memory. <laughs> I just go like you and your team there, listen to what people are saying and do something about it. Well, uh, our team uh, our team loves you. In fact, when, when different people come in, I don't think there's there will ever be in the history of ever someone warmer uh, and more friendly to our team. In fact, they're sitting in the background nodding. The people that are in here right now, just we, we love you and uh, we learn from you on how to love people. There's a uh, there's a neat uh, verse I learned from a guy named Chef Chris. He's a guy that's in my class at San Quentin. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, Peter uh, wrote it, uh, and it says that God has already given us everything that we need to lead beautiful, godly lives. Think about that for a second if you're listening in. Like, get your head on a swivel. What has God given you? And among the things God's given me is a friend like you. And even though we live in different cities, just knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing gives me the guts and the grit to keep doing the part that I'm supposed to do. Thank you. Uh, tell me, tell me this year mm -hmm. as you uh, look forward. What are the things that are important to you? I know you've written a new book, and I want to spend some time talking about that. But a lot of times, the things that are happening in our life end up being the words that we're putting in our book. So, give us kind of the backdrop for this book that you've written and. Tell me about the things going on in your life, and then tell us a little about the book. Why this book, and why now? So I'm going to answer this question, Bob, in a way that I've never, ever, ever had before just now, because it's the first time anybody's asked me a question like that in this season. So the real story behind the book, The Power to Change, Mastering the Habits That Matter Most, is that 
for years and years, I tried to change um, so many things, but couldn't. And I learned as I really started studying both the Bible and the science of habits that I was trying to change in the wrong way. So that's the that's the how the book came about. What you just asked me about is what's happening right now, what's coming up, is I just this week, at the time of this recording, um, did the funeral for my dad. And, long and, long it, and, I, and, and I appreciate you know you saying, oh, because it really is, I'm grieving deeply. It was a tr tremendous loss. And it was a massive celebration, massive celebration. And if you want to ever know the power to change what God did in his life uh, to change a man who was um, a guy that I had never seen sober after 10 o'clock at night in my whole childhood and in years to come, to become the generous, others-focused, um, Jesus-centered um, difference maker, it was phenomenal. And so that's the, in the raw emotions that I feel right now, that's Damn. that's what how it answered the question now the uh the book didn't come about because of that but i'm just thinking about him and i'm thinking about maybe someone who's listening to this right now who has something in their life that they feel like they want to change they can't lose the weight or they're not good with money or they can't change their attitude or they can't seem to be present or their marriage isn't good or whatever it is that they want to change um seeing his life story and his change makes me even more excited to get the message out about this book. And it's it's uh, profoundly personal to me at this moment and the whole time I was writing it. I'd bet. Like, we're all, like, kind of grieving with you and then celebrating the things that you're celebrating for your dad. But tell me this, Craig, oftentimes we're either a reflection of or reaction to the yep. people that were closest to us. Mm -hmm. So how would you, like, apply that to yourself? Like, you grew up if, with a... Uh, like kind of some dynamics in the yeah. house and a lot of people listening. Yeah. They're either a reflection of some stuff or a reaction to some stuff. Yeah. Tell me how that worked out in your life. Well, that's a great way to put it, Bob. And I, I would say that it's very, very much a mixture of that. Uh, my dad had, you know, he was a, um, a semi-pro baseball player. Um, some say he would have made the pros, but he got drafted in the army back when they were doing the draft. And, and so he was disciplined, had a lot of good qualities, but he had a lot of brokenness. And so when I grew up, I would say um, a reflection of him is I took his work ethic, I took his discipline, but I pushed off what I would call kind of the relational brokenness that I saw in the home and early on decided I would be different and I would do everything I could to have a marriage that made it um, and um, to live with integrity in a way that would matter. The beautiful thing is that um, later in my dad's life, he um, met the same power that transformed me, and he became not only sober, but he became recovered, and then just became a powerhouse, literally a powerhouse of helping people heal and recover from addictions. And so in the latter part of his life, I literally, I want to reflect more and more of him because of who he was, and he became the type of man that I want to become. So... I pushed off a lot of what wasn't good in the early years and had a lot to be drawn to in the in the latter years. Some stuff will happen when we're young, and then uh, you develop a uh, a notion. It might be a myth, might be completely untrue, but you might do a notion. And people that have been around me for a while know among them for me was that I'll be abandoned. Everybody's going to leave me. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is we have this notion, this myth that we believe, and then you make rules to support the myth. And because I believe that everybody's gonna abandon me, mm -hmm. then I decided that I'm not going deep with anybody. 
Uh, why? Because the myth is everybody's going to leave and it will hurt more if they really know me and they leave than if I just keep it. So then what I did is I just became the fun guy. Just keep it super shallow. Like, because why? Because if I go super deep and you leave, I'm going to feel gutted. So mm -hmm. I just be, became this fun guy. And I realized that, gosh, I was just an inch deep in all my relationships because I was, I'd come up with a set of rules for my life that supported a myth that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Everybody was, some people would like peace out, but not everybody. And so, for as you're listening to this, think about that. What's the myth that you believe? Maybe a lie that you believed. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to leave you. Or that people can't be trusted. Maybe you said like, and so then you made a rule. I'm not going to rely on anybody because the myth, the lies, nobody can be trusted. Yeah. And then you live a life and you're just feeling isolated. And it's because these rules are beating you up. Tell me about that. Like how like these habits that you studied in the book, The Power to Change, and like, oh, how we do this, kind of like finger memory. I, I, I would say this, that you know, so often, like if people look at your life, they would say, I, I kind of want to have the life that Bob has. And, and what I think they wouldn't recognize is that, that the life you have isn't a result of just having a goal to be a super fun person, super loving person, super others-oriented person, super successful person. But I think that, that you started with the identity and that's what I really try to talk about in the book, The Power to Change, is, is the way to change is not to try to change external behavior, but to change, change internal identity. So we want to start with who we want to become instead of what we want to do. I'd say, let, let's start with who before do. And then when we determine the type of person that we want to become, then what I suggest, Bob, is just real simply ask yourself, based on who I want to become, either what is one habit? I want to create or what is one habit that I want to break? And I think this the simplicity of this is so many people think, you know, I want to be in better shape. So I got to do all these 12 different things, or I want to have a better marriage. So I have to do these five different things. And we're really not capable of doing a whole lot of things well at once. So if we start with identity and then we create one forward moving habit or break one destructive habit in that direction, then what we start doing is we start reinforcing that identity. This is the you know this is what a committed person does, or this is what a faithful person does, or this is what a person with integrity does, and then we start creating positive momentum in that direction. And when you think about it, why do you do what you do? You do what you do because of what you think of you. Period. If you want to change what you do, you want to change what you think of you. And as a person of faith, for me, my foundation is going to be going back to you know what does God say about me? What and and that's kind of what you're saying. The fundamental power to change of anything is we have to stop believing the lie. A lie believed as truth will affect you as if it's true. And if you can, you know, following your metaphor, if you can get to the root of whatever that wrong belief system is, then you can unpack those lies that you've been believing. And for me in the book, there are a lot of people right now, they believe they can't change something. They tried, they tried, they tried, they tried. And what I want to do is try to make it really simple, uh, really scriptural, and even scientific and say, here's some real small steps you can make that'll ultimately change your identity. And I saw it happen to my dad and I've see, I see it happening in me and I believe it can happen in uh, the people that, that you love as well. So uh, it's been described to me this idea of like think of character rather than career. Mm. Like, so what character do you want to develop in yourself? And I'm a really energetic guy and I tend to be super impatient. 
Like I'm just super sure. I don't send the like gets it well soon cards. Mm-hmm. I send get well now cards. There you go. <laughs> I, I just I said my impatience is driving sweet Maria nuts. And so knowing your tells, like know what happens since I'm impatient, I'm always rushing around. And Craig, you know what I did a, a couple months ago? I bought a 1971 Volkswagen Beetle. It's thrashed. It didn't like showroom. <laughs> it just be. But it only goes like 41 miles an hour downhill with a wind behind it. Right. And I'm finding if I'm working on patience, it's First Timothy 116, like God picked me, the worst of the most amped of the sinners <laughs> to put on display his immense yeah. patience. Good. And if, uh, like you can find some cheat codes, some things along the way to remind you. I take my slow Volkswagen slowly places. I'm not in a hurry because it doesn't have hurry in it. Mm-hmm. So tell us some other practical things you can do to, like, just to kind of prompt yourself to say, hey, this is uh, something that I've fallen into before and I'm falling into it again. Yeah, I, li- I like the the cheat code, kind of like what you said. If you put yourself in a car that won't go more than 41 miles an hour, either you grow in patience or you probably jump out of the side of the car on a cliff, right? And so you're putting yourself in an environment that forces growth. A little mindset change that I love, Bob, that may be helpful to some of um, your community is this. One of the reasons I think we feel like we can't change is because we're we're simply trying to change. And anytime we're trying to do something, that that implies that we have permission to fail because we're just trying. It's like a, it's like a half-hearted attempt to try to do something. Uh, what I've done is changed my language. So instead of trying, what I'm doing is I'm in training. I'm training to do something, which is a very, very, very different mindset. If we're uh, trying to get into shape, we're trying to go to the gym, we're trying to eat healthy, uh, we're 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 very likely to fail. If we're in training, if we, you know, if we're a, an athlete in training, or we have a God honoring tr- body in training. What we're going to do is we're going to buy the workout gear, we're going to hire a trainer, we're going to come with a plan, and our mindset changes completely. And so, I would say to someone who is has been trying to get better with their money, you know, say I'm a I'm a great money manager in training, or I'm trying to work on my marriage. No, no, we're actually a great marriage in training. If that's what we are, what are we doing? And and what it does is it it brings a um, it brings a system of almost accountability or, or structure to it, uh, momentum. Uh, I I took on a new hey you uh, you fly so I I got my private pilot. Oh, license. I saw that. Good yeah. on you. Yeah, thank you. And now I'm getting my instrument rating right now. So oh. forever, my language was, I'm trying to become a pilot. And eventually, when I did my first solo, even though I didn't have my license, I said, no, no, I am a pilot in training. It's a totally <laughs> different mindset. Now I'm not okay. choosing, do I go and do this? Am I going to make it? But it's a, it's, a, it's a commitment to something. And so I would say, um, number one, don't try, stop trying, start training. And number two, next time I'm with you, we're going up in a little water plane. You can teach me to land on yeah, the water. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah, we'll get you that flow grading. Yeah. There's a bit of a hack that you have when you're up there talking to the controllers on the radio. Uh, you can't just like land. You need to ask permission. <laughs> like, so you need that. There's a transaction that happens. Uh, and oftentimes they assume you know more than you know. And I think I'm on year 18 of getting my license. And so I've been around a bit. But every time I enter the pattern, you identify yourself, and I say student pilot uh, because they're nicer to me. Because then it's just me saying I'm 18 years in, but 
but I'm like a student pilot. And that's a great way to have people be nice to you to say, I'm a student husband. I'm a student driver. Like people aren't going to be cutting you off. But you're you're in training. You're in training. You're growing. You're not an expert. You know that you got room to grow. And uh, you're a student pilot in training. I like it. Yeah. Did they also, when you were in ground school, did they mix it up? So you had uh, one person training you, then maybe there'd be another person that'd give you some uh, training. You'd go up and do some uh, steep bank turns with another uh, uh, instructor, and then you'd get another instructor in. Did they do that with you a little bit, Craig? So w- when I did ground school, I did it all backwards. I I actually didn't plan on becoming a pilot. I planned on ha- creating an experience with my 18-year-old son. So we went to do a test flight and then we did a second flight and then we did a third flight and then he quit and I kept going. And so uh, <laughs> my initially, Bob, all I was doing was using it as like a real distraction from the pressure that I feel. And then I ended up doing a solo. I had done zero ground school and I'd done several solos. So then I had to go back and kind of clean it up, did it all wrong. Now in my instrument rating, I am, uh, which is more difficult in my opinion, or at least equally as difficult as your private they are mixing it up like crazy. I'm doing a very formal training. It's outstanding. I've flown with probably four different uh, CFIs, and uh, and it's super helpful to get different perspectives on how to be a be a be a student pilot in training. To use our current language. Yeah, yeah. So thinking about that for a moment, for as you're listening, think of a couple people that God has dropped in your life. You know, they, there's they have different perspectives and camera angles. I'd find some people if faith is important to you. Find some people that are good at faith, that are just that are faithful friends, but not just faithful friends, but they actually are living out some of the things that you aspire to. Uh, and find several of them and get real with them. Um, uh, don't just like uh, look at everything in general. Um, uh, we're thinking of flying stuff here. You scan the sky in front of you to make sure you're not going to hit anybody, but then you take 10% of the sky. And you take a hard look at 10% of the sky and to say, I'm really going to drill down on my relationships right now. I'm going to really drill down on my family right now. I'm going to really drill down. These are the kinds of habits you could take. Everything that starts with an F, faith, family, fun, finances, Ferrari, if you want one, philanthropy, if you can't spell, like you could just find something that you could do as a routine. They have checklists when you're flying. What would you have people do? Like as they're trying to like they agree with you. I want to get better at a couple things. Mm-hmm. Give us some hacks on that. What are some ways that maybe you have found yourself centering on either faith or reconnecting with family or a couple friends? Give us a couple ideas. Well, so I I love your your um your frameworks of F. And so let's just let's take family, let's take um let's take friendships, let's take finances. Um, or the I like philosophy, <laughs> whatever you said the other, the other <laughs> Come was. On. But what, what I what I would do honestly is I would suggest that people take one specific area that they want to grow in. And um, in the it was uh, Charles Duhigg's book that uh, the uh, they call the Power of Habit. He talked about uh, Keystone habits, and that any that there are certain habits, and I'm sure you would be able to talk about one or two or three of these in in your life that when these habits are in place, they compound and create other positive habits. And when, they, when they're not in place, then you find yourself often doing the wrong things. I would say, find a keystone habit. What is, what is one habit 
that really helps create the identity you're looking for that brings positive momentum in your life. As small as it sounds, years ago, um, I found myself not feeling very disciplined. If if most people looked at my life now, they say, man, Craig, you're pretty dang disciplined. Well, I wasn't. It's not natural. I had to choose it. And so uh, two things. One is I decided just to start flossing. The reason is because I hate flossing. And so whenever I started flossing, I was telling myself, I choose to do the hard things. I'm a disciplined person. And that makes me, because I do that, I think, well, I'll read my Bible today. I'll get up early today. I'm more productive at work today. I come home today. That's why I have six kids, because I floss. And if I don't floss, I don't read my Bible. I don't get up early. I don't eat good. I'm not productive. And all of a sudden, I've got a bad marriage, and, and I lose my ministry. And it's it's way, that's obviously an overstatement. But the few right habits in place make a big difference. The second part of that that's really special to me, and I know we've got a broad range of listeners here from all different backgrounds, uh, but for me, as a follower of Jesus, what I did is I started having a declaration that that I said to myself, I am disciplined. Now, I didn't feel disciplined. Uh, I felt undisciplined. I felt lazy at times. I said, I am disciplined. And then I, I said, Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me because there's a lot of wrong desires in me. And sometimes I'm not stronger than the desire for chocolate cake and ice cream or the desire to gossip or criticize someone or whatever. But for me, I started to say, okay, here's the one or two things that are going to create momentum. And then it's not momentum of my own. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. So especially for the people of faith, I would say, connect what you want to change to a power greater than you. Um, and even in my like my physical body, once I, I tried to eat right, eat better, eat healthy, and I couldn't seem to do it. But when I connected it to a spiritual end and I said, okay, if my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then why am I going to put trash in the temple? I'm not going to do that. And when I connected it to something that was spiritual, suddenly it seemed like there was more momentum. So I would say just those few things is, you know, look for one thing that creates momentum, connect it to, um, connect it to something that gives you more power and um, connected to something that, that brings it meaning. And then you're going to find you start the right habits aren't things like you have to do these things, like I dread them, but you actually look forward to them. There's there's something meaningful in them. You're really carving a new groove in your brain. You are. You're just trying to say, in a, you want to go Grand Canyon on that thing. You would just over and over and over. Repetition. I was thinking about finger memory. 2719798 was my best friend's phone number in junior high school. And I'd call up Doug all the time. It is now 52 years later, 2719798. Now I want to call up and see who will answer. But to say um, what I do is that finger memory, having done it so many times, I carved the groove in my brain. I went Grand Canyon on it. Don't just rely on a resolution. I, I love that January 16th is known as quit day. Mm-hmm. They pulled 32 million like fitness places. And that's the day everybody bails on their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so don't make a, a resolution live with resolve. Right. Know why you're doing that. I know I'm doing this for my family because I can see at 64, I want to be ambulatory. I want to be vibrant at 74. And if I want to bring that guy into the world, I got to change what this guy is doing. That kind of resolve will get you out walking. It'll well, get I, I love that thought too, because, uh, you, you know, when, what I like try to help people is you don't, you're not really successful when you achieve the goal in the future. For example, if you want to be 
you know, at a certain weight or you want to pay off a certain credit card or you want to um, get your rating and something. You're not successful when you do that in the future. You're successful when you're faithful today. That's when you're successful. And so like you just, what we want to do is we want to, we want to create the inputs in our life that over time bring about the outcomes that we desire. And bottom line is the quality of our lives it's a reflection of the quality of our habits. It's pure and simple. Yeah. And so if we want to change the life that we have, we need to change the habits. And the beautiful thing about habits is that they're habits, meaning this is they, we do them on autopilot. And so if we get really, really, really intentional about saying, who do I want to be? If I want to be like Bob Goff, what does a person like Bob Goff do? I can't do everything you do, but I can find out one thing you do. And if I do that one thing you do, that's a vote, as James Clear would say, in the direction of the character of Bob Goff. And if we have enough votes that add up, suddenly we've got a, uh, a verdict. And the verdict is, this is the kind of person you are. And you do what you do because of what you think of you. And so if you want to do something different, you have to change what you think of you. And this is a, it's kind of a step-by-step -step process of changing our identity, changing our habits, which then propel us to become more of the type of person that we really want to be. And it's a blast. And there's going to be some pushback along the way. People are feeling it already. Like even as we're talking about that, there's somebody that's, that's like me. Yes. Yeah, there's pushback. Think of you and I learning how to land a plane. Yep. Uh, there's a thing, it's called ground effect. Yes, yes. If the wind comes over the wing, it hits the ground and it pushes up. And so you float down yep. the runway about six feet off the runway while you're waiting to stall out. Yep. And if you float for long enough and stall out, you hit pretty hard. Yep. And you're glad it's a rental plane. That's so right. So what I want to do is talk about ground effect. What it is that is keeping you from landing that idea. How do you push through that? How do you well, get the plane on the ground? On a side note, I can I make several landings sometimes on just one pass. So I land and bounce it, land Extra. and bounce it. Yeah, I get, I can, I can get three landings in one, and so I know what you mean about ground effect. So I, I would say there's a couple things that will keep people from changing. One is when you think about it, Bob, the uh, anything that uh, a desire that like we want to do that's maybe an unhealthy desire, the payoff is usually immediate. Like if you want to eat that thing you shouldn't eat, it tastes good immediately. If you want to look at something that you shouldn't look at, that you get the dopamine hit immediately. And so the uh, the the payoff is immediate, but the consequences don't come until you get caught or you eat too much or whatever. And the flip side is true of the right disciplines, the right the right habits. When you don't eat the thing that you shouldn't eat, and instead you eat something healthy, and then you go away at the end of the day, you don't see anything at all. The, uh, the positive consequences actually take time to get there. And so I think that's one of the reasons why people struggle is because like I did the right thing for three days and I didn't see anything. Or they'll do the right thing for three days and then they skip the fourth day and they think, okay, now I've blown it all and it's completely gone. And that's one of the, the things I teach just about, like, like a lot of people don't know how to pray with their spouse. One of the key qualities I tell them is keep it short keep it consistent. And if you miss one day, don't miss two. The reason I say keep it short is because if we say keep it long, you're probably not going to do it. If you keep it consistent, that's a really good goal. And then if you miss one day, don't miss two. You're going to miss a day every now and then. And if you if you blow something, that doesn't mean that you're not it. That means you just, just had a bad day and you got you to show back up. Um, I, had a bad, I, had a, I had a real scare flying 
and almost quit and forced myself to go back up the same day because I knew uh, if I let a setback scare me or discourage me, I was going to quit. And I, I'd just say to somebody right now who's tried and had the setback or is past January the 16th and you've hit that, that failure date, just because you failed for a season doesn't mean you're a failure. A failure isn't, someone else said this, a failure is an event, not a person. That's not what you are. Uh, you can come back and you can change. Yeah, I think when you lose your keys, you think to yourself, where was the last place I saw them? Um, and so if you've lost your joy, say, where was the last place I felt Good. joy? If you've lost your confidence, when was the last time I was confident? Return to that place and to say, okay, this is my new ground zero. We're just going to start building from here. And it's not this Jenga tower. Like if one thing goes wrong, the whole thing comes down. You just got to stop beating yourself up. You're not a pinata, right? <laughs> this is not candy coming out of you when you hit yourself. What I want to do is to say, what we are is people desperately in need of God mm -hmm. and grace. And so when you're uh, impatient with a guy that's bagging the grocery store, uh, bagging the groceries or in front of you in line or whatever, to just say, who's the guy? Who's the character I want to be? Who's new Bob? Because that's where I take a lot of hope in this idea of being a new creation. Mm -hmm. That old Bob's on the bus. He still might have like gray whiskers like me and might laugh like me, but I'm just hoping that new Bob keeps showing up, new yep. Craig, and that gives me a lot of hope. It does, it does. Hey, you guys, the book is The Power to Change. And uh, boy, I'm telling you, there's a couple people I would consider uh, not only a friend, but pastor, a voice that I trust, and you've just heard from him. So if there's something that uh, pinged you while Craig was talking, if you didn't write it down, pull over and write it down, because otherwise, if you don't net that butterfly, it's gone. So write it down and then decide what you're going to do about it. Take agreeing with Jesus off the table and just say, okay, this is what I'm going to actually do, because he never asked you to agree with him. He says, so what, this is what I'm going to do about it. And there you go. Step one of a habit. Craig, thanks a million, buddy. I love you. I uh, We are celebrating and grieving with you, uh, you. and just love to your whole family during this time. Thank um, you. Two, two requests. Um, one is, can we fly together? And two is, if you're anywhere close to Oklahoma, will you come preach for me again? Our church loves you. I love you. And we need more of you. Yes and heck yes. Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's do, do it. it. Yes and heck yes. I'm in with you. Hey, love uh, you guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, you guys, you've been listening to the Dream Big Podcast. Uh, uh, actually, just go do this stuff. The only thing that matters is faith expressed in love. In your strong name, amen. See ya. Amen.